This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine. It's OBEHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the All-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Got cat? You're in good company. More and more people are adopting kittens and cats and discovering all the fine feline qualities these purr machines bring to our lives. Now, here comes the second question. How well do you speak cat? And we'll just throw this one in here too. How well are you at meeting your cat's needs? Fortunately, our special guest today is here to school us on all things CAT in a positive way. She's multi-talented, just a sampling. She is a cat behavior and retention specialist. She is a humane education specialist, and she has one of the coolest gigs of all. She is a pet chaplain. She's there to help our hearts heal. Please give pause and applause to the founder of all cats, all the time, the Miabilis, Dr. Rachel Geller. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Arden, and I'm really looking forward to the show today. Well, we'll see at the end how you do. (laughs) No, no. I'll reserve my judgment. I think Dr. Rachel kind of knows me now. We're buds, and we've been involved in some behavior conferences together, and she still said yes to being on the show. So I think that's pretty awesome. Hey, um, listeners, you know, Dr. Rachel Geller is in the house. Well, technically, she's behind the microphone in another place, but she's here to address some cat behavior issues and ways that we can restore sweet harmony in our homes. But first, we got to take this commercial break. So sit and purr. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Pause up, pet pals. Arden Moore here to talk about the importance of keeping your cats and dogs hydrated. Yes, clean water is great, but not all pets, especially cats, will lap up enough water every day from the bowl. Or maybe your dog is thirsty after a long walk. That's why I'm a big fan of two new isotonic drinks called Kitty Raid and Doggy Raid. And there is a great meal topper to enhance kibble called Yummy Raid. They all contain electrolytes and amino acids plus prebiotics. And they're all veterinary approved. Nice, right? Now, my furry Brady Bunch love them. Find out where you can get your paws on these healthy hydrating drinks, and gravy-like meal topper by visiting DoggyRaid.com. That's D-O-G-G-Y-R-A-D-E.com. Drink up, pets. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Obehave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Obehave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is one of the country's top cat experts. Yeah, I said it. I declared it. And she's a great person. Dr. Rachel Geller is the founder of All Cats All the Time. She's also the author of a must-get book. It's called Saving the World, One Cat at a Time. And she's going to share in this episode how you can help shelters while you're turning the pages of this must-get book. I think you have more titles behind your name than probably all the titles in the Marvel Studio movie lineup. (laughs) I'm just reading them all. I'm like, no, Marvel can't duplicate that. Nope, nope. I know there's all these Marvel movies, but what do you think? Does anybody ever compare you to the number of Marvel movies titles out there? You were the first person to do so, Arden. And I think my money's on Dr. Rachel Geller. Seriously, you do a lot in so many different facets. Let's just kind of dive in, if you don't mind. Even though Earth Day just happened recently, this episode will air a few weeks afterwards, we should have Earth Day 365 days a year. So I was kind of intrigued because you did a blog giving people, I think, like seven ways that we can help our cats and our planets be more green. So don't give them, you know, you're not giving them uh, green beans, but tell us a little bit about the indoor cat and the role the cat can play in making uh, Mother Earth a little bit more healthy. Yeah, so it's really interesting to think about because you think when you think of Earth Day, you think of things that we humans can do to be more green or to be more ecological, but we can involve our cats in the celebration of Earth Day too. So little tidbits that we can all do very easily can really help to protect our planet. For example, we all, or we should all, clean out and refresh the water bowl that we have up for our cats. We should do this regularly. Kitties don't want to drink green scum. They do not. They don't like that microfilm thing that's going on oh, there. Yes, in the water. Yeah, the tick of my tongue, the tick of my tongue. Yeah. So we're, right. So we're always refreshing the water. And I think a lot of people just then dump that water down the drain. But a great way to celebrate Earth Day all year round is rather than dumping that old water down the drain, use that to water the various plants that you may have in your house or even part of your lawn outside. So that water is perfectly good for something like that. To me, if I was a petunia or whatever, I would be thinking that's kind of like a Powerade drink for me. That's my Red Bull, isn't it? There you go. So that way you're really doing something good for your cat because you're keeping their bowls clean and you're preserving resources for our planet, which is very important too. Some of the other tips I had in the blog were buying the large metal cans because this uses less metal you for, for food and water bowls or what? Yeah, yeah. Okay, for okay. you know for you no know, for the canned cat food. Oh, oh, oh! The large can. You know, okay. like one large can, and using that as opposed to buying several small ones, just okay. to protect our landfills. And um, typically, those are recyclable. You know, a lot of pet food comes in plastic yeah. containers, and so metal is definitely preferable. We do a measuring spoon, and I use a larger can because we have four cats. And I think you get a better bang for your buck and it's less fill in the recycle bin, you know? Yep. It's a win-win all the way around. And then think of things such as um, if you're going to toss some, some bedding or you have old sheets or you have some towels and they're becoming worn, 
rather than toss them in the trash can and they end up in a landfill somewhere, donate those items to your area shelters because they always need bedding and towels and things like that. So rather than tossing things, repurpose those items to shelters that are always in need of something soft. I finally learned the company called Kohl's. <laughs> Don't worry, they're not sponsoring us. And I got some big coupon and I looked around, we need new towels. So I still have the old towels. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm Perfect. going down and donated to my local shelter. Thank you, Dr. Rachel. That's a good one. Hey, let's get stinky because I actually use a litter genie to put things in, but a lot of folks get plastic bags. It's a must do to clean and scoop litter every day. It's something we just love. I dare somebody out there to put on their tax return occupation, litter box scooper. <laughs> I guarantee there will be an audit. For that. Yeah, probably. Don't do it. No, don't do it, listeners. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about how we can be earth friendly in that fun time of bathroom duties for our kitties. There are plastic bags everywhere you look, right? I mean, they give them to you at the grocery store. Typically, a newspaper might come in a plastic bag. You can reuse some of the baggies that you use for school lunches, etc. So rather than buying extra plastic bags for your poop scooping, use bags that you already have. Reuse plastic bags that maybe had one purpose, but will certainly be fine to use for the litter box cleaning. So think about it. Chances are you have plastic bags in your yeah. home right now that are going unused. We all do. And rather than tossing them, or sticking them in that big drawer that because we might need a bag someday. I know. And you open the door and you can't open it. <laughs> yes, exactly. We all we all do it. So use those to as the scooper bags rather than buying going out and buying bags for that purpose. And the other thing you can do too is have one big bag and then just scoop the poop into that one big bag. And at the end of the week, just throw that out. So there are several ways. Just make sure you seal it, guys, so you don't have the cat litter aroma. <laughs> wafting yes. into your living room. Yes, very important. <laughs> well, speaking of cat litter, and I know we're not going to name any companies, but you're a behaviorist and that is sometimes our uh-oh on picking a litter because it smells good to us is the bane to many cats. Exactly. A lot of people love scented and perfumey litters because they feel they like still it's still around. Ugh. There's so many options out there that have the additives and the perfume and the scent added. And we humans like that, right? Because we think we're the litter is emitting this nice fresh smell. But your cat wants something that's going to replicate what she would find outdoors. And the last time I checked, I don't know where you live, but the soil around my area there, it is not scented and oh. doesn't have perfume additives. So it's just not going to feel natural to your cat. So okay. choose a litter that's unscented, doesn't have a lot of extra additives in it. And your cat will be much happier. You know, if, you, if you're someone out there right now who's experiencing experiencing litter box aversion, yeah, that, that's one of the first things I tell people. You know, are you using a litter that's very perfumey, overly scented? That could cause a cat not to use the box because it just won't feel natural to the cat. On the flip side, on the opposite spectrum of these perfumed stay away from litters, there's been a lot of attempts to be eco-friendly in the type of material used for cat litter, but the vote belongs to the cat, right? With substrate. Tell us about that yes. and, and how we can experiment and maybe get eco-friendly litter types. 
Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to use a litter that your cat likes and your cat is going to use. That's a huge big deal. But let's say you wanted to try a litter that was more eco-friendly, something that didn't have additives in it. What I would suggest is, so in general, you never want to go from zero to 60 when it comes (laughs) to cats. No, that's not a cat motto. I never see cats with little tattoos that say zero to 60. Now, me now. (laughs) Exactly. Your cat, cats like routine, cats like predictability, cats don't like change. So if you're a current litter, you're thinking, you know, it would be nice to go a little bit more green. Okay. So you choose a new litter that doesn't have all the additives. It's more natural and slowly, slowly mix it in. So start off with 75% old litter, 25% new litter, leave it that way for a few days. Then you can move down to maybe like 60 old, 40 new, let the cat get used to that. Then you can go to 50-50 and you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, I do. So what are some of the materials that are out there that you like that are eco-friendly for litter? There are litters that are made up of little pieces of shredded paper. And I find a lot of cats like that because it absorbs well, it's soft to their touch, and that's something that's completely recyclable. So that's always a nice option. Being a former newspaper reporter, I think many of my articles were probably in litter pants. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so we got paper. What other things? There are lots of other like natural options. There are litters based on like corn. There are litters based on pine. So, and all of these are completely available at any pet supply store. You know, the things I'm suggesting aren't something you need to special order. They're not any more expensive. So, um, you know, do a little bit of label reading. And mm-hmm. as long as you see there aren't scents added, um, silica dust, that's, that's a lot of stuff that silica is often added into many litters. Yeah. And like I said, perfumes and things like that. It cause respiratory issues, right? Yes. It causes a lot of, you know, like dust and it's just not a good thing to breathe in. And since you're all cleaning your litter boxes regularly, that's something to think about. Raise a paw, everybody out there. Come on, you're doing good. Now, speaking of that, it's a good segue to cleaning materials. In my pet first aid class, which thank you for taking pet first aid for you, I tell people that products that are killing the coronavirus and other cooties in our house typically have bleach and ammonia. But on the paws of a cat or inhaled in the nose of a cat, those are pretty seriously damning, right? Yes. I mean, those are very strong substances made for humans to use to to kill human germs and human dirt. And they're really not cat friendly. And you really don't need something that strong, especially if you are cleaning your litter box regularly. So just some water with an all natural, you know, detergent or soap is fine. Make sure you rinse the box really well after you've cleaned it. And that's really all you need. What about white vinegar? I feel like my grandma. Anything that's natural and anything that will clean up the odor and will clean up any, you know, little goodies there in the litter box is completely fine. And here's one of my favorites that you talked about to be Earth Day celebrating all year long. Many of us during COVID became really good friends with our delivery people. I'm specifically talking about Amazon and Chewy.com. There's a lot of cardboard boxes out there. Now, let's think like a cat. And we have a cat expert here in Dr. Rachel Geller. Why are the cats doing like flips and purring like crazy <laughs> when you empty that box of its contents? Yeah. So I tell people all the time when I'm working with them, like, let's put those Amazon boxes to good use so they can be so many things. So first of all, a box can definitely be repurposed as a delightful little cat bed. Nice. So just put a 
cozy quilt in there, a small blanket, and voila, you have a cat bed without buying. You probably won't get Martha Stewart to give you a blue ribbon, though. That's true. I mean, it won't be as pretty to look at, maybe, but it's just as functional, and it's definitely earth-friendly. So you're, you're reusing something rather than buying you know, a bed from a pet supply store that can't be recycled when you're done with it. So uh, okay. a box is a great way to go. But you can also use the cardboard boxes for cat-to-cat introductions. Oh. So let's say that you have your resident cat, and now you have your newcomer. And you want to sort of monitor those interactions and be ready if there are any intimidation or posturing. That's what we call it. Yeah. And so a piece of cardboard placed between the two cats is a great simple way to stop that destructive cycle of aggression or intimidation from, you know, being alive. Yeah. It's kind of like the the human version of fences make good neighbors. Exactly. So I even tell people, you know, let's say you have a new cat in the sanctuary room and you have a door dasher. Every time you come in, that cat wants to run out. If you lead in with a piece of cardboard in front of you, that can really be a great deterrent from that happening. So lots of ways we can reuse those Amazon boxes that, yes, during COVID between the deliveries and people trying new things and not wanting to go to stores, I think we all have a surplus right now of boxes. I like this. I like this practicality. Definitely put them to good use. Yes. Hey, everyone. We're speaking with Dr. Rachel Geller. She is here to help us keep our kitties purring and loving us, maybe being our BFFs. My cat, Casey, is my BFF, my best feline friend. We're going to learn more on if you live in a tiny house or you live in a studio apartment or some other place, there are some ideas the good doctor is going to unleash after we take this commercial break on how to make it really home sweet home for your cat. So sit and purr. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears cleaned when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? Help is here. Zymox ear care products offer soothing relief. And hey, you're going to love this part. They don't require the ear to be cleaned before you apply the drops. It's as easy as fill, rub, and done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. Apply just once a day. Zymox gets its effectiveness from enzymes not antibiotics. That means no side effects and no antibiotic resistance. You can find these veterinary recommended products at your veterinary clinic, most pet specialty retailers, and online. And here's a real treat. Yeah, I did say the word treat. Save 20% off any Zymox or Oratine product on Zymox.com. Just use the code ARDEN20 at checkout. That's ARDEN20. To learn more, visit Zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X.com. Pause up. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, it's Rochelle Fav from the Twilight franchise, inviting you all to listen to Oh Behave with Arden Moore on PetLifeRadio.com. And I think you should encourage other people to listen too, because I'll tell you from personal experience, Arden knows. 
We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Obehave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Obehave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I am learning a lot of cool things. Uh, cat hacks, I guess. And I'm not talking about <laughs> like a hairball, but cat tricks that don't cost a lot of money that will bring you and your kitty together under the same roof in purring harmony. Did I say that right? I love it. You you (laughs) worded it perfectly. 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 So let's move on because not everybody lives in a mansion. And I used to joke years ago that dogs would like to live in a, on a bowling alley. And if cats, this is how old I am. Cats would live in a phone booth and they'd be happy. Um, so you're the good doctor. Explain ways to make the space inside tiny homes, tiny apartments, fine for the cat and fine for you. Yes. I get this question a lot because people feel like, oh, I live in a small little apartment in New York City or I have a studio apartment. So I can't have a cat. But there are many ways that you can make a small space appealing and enticing for your cat. The best thing that you can do is something I call interactive play with a fishing pole type toy. And what this is, is you use a fishing pole type toy in a way that really simulates a hunt. And if you do this with your cat twice a day for maybe 15 minutes at a time, you're going to, that is enough to satisfy your cat's natural hunting instinct. So the first thing to do is make sure that cat is stimulated. Okay. What about that fishing pole type toy? And that doesn't take up any space in your apartment. It takes up zero space. Yeah. This is something that we can all do. And everybody, you know, most people who have a cat are fine with spending some time with their cat, playing with the cat, but we just wanted to do it in the right way so the cat really feels stimulated. So what you really want to do is to think of simulating a hunt. Okay. So think about that process. The cat is hunting. So maybe the prey is slithering around the floor, or maybe the prey is hiding behind some furniture, or maybe the prey is up high, then it might be down low, then it might be over here, it might be over there. So simulate how prey would really act. So up, down, all around, set up, down, all around. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. think of your cat. He wants to stalk, yeah. pounce, hunt. So move the toy in a way that's going to allow the cat to do that. And do this for maybe 15 Good. minutes or so. Yeah. So like now- that. We're coming to the end of the game. We're coming maybe to the end. What I don't want you to do is look at your watch and say, oh, it's been 15 minutes. We're done. And put the toy away. Again, think about simulating a hunt. So the toy, the prey is starting to get very tired. Maybe the prey has been injured because the cat has been able to swat at the toy or bite the toy. And eventually the prey will die. Now what I want you to do is follow this capture with a yummy treat. Okay. Immediately. We have that final capture. We now give the cat a little bit of food. So we have just simulated a successful hunt. Good. If we just do this once or twice a day, that is enough for your cat to feel stimulated. And this does not require a lot of space to do this game. Do you put on some Lion King music at the end? (laughs) You could, if that gets you into the spirit. Absolutely. I like that because I'm in a tiny office right now, which is a backyard office called Ard's Den. It's 200 square foot. Talk about vertical because I have devoted more space in this tiny house to my two dogs and my four cats, five of which are in here right now. So talk about, we forget to look up, don't we? We forget to look up because we look at our world horizontally, right? Our desk is on the floor. Our refrigerator is on the floor. We think of the room we have in our house by what's on the floor. 
but Good your point. cat is completely different. Your cat thinks in, in vertical terms. So they want elevation. Now, the more elevation and vertical space you can provide in your small apartment, the better. Because that's this way the cat, your cat can actually feel like she's navigating this very long, faraway journey if there's plenty of vertical space for the cat to circle around on. Okay. So maybe you can't get a cat tree if you have a small space, but window perches don't take up any floor space. That's and cool. look around your your home. I bet you have some shelving that's going unused. And I yep. bet you have some tops of storage containers or backs of the sofa or the back of a chair that there can all be repurposed into vertical space. So the top of a storage container, you can put a little quilt there. Now we have some vertical space. If you can put some little some shelving along the wall or repurpose shelving you have that just sitting there, that can be vertical space. So I find most people have existing vertical space that they don't really think about that can absolutely be repurposed for the cat's use. And again, vertical space is a way that a cat can feel like she's going on a very long journey. She's Going to faraway lands, right in your very own. And she can look park. down on us. Come on, that's another thing. They can look that's down. That's very on us. important. And the yes, dog. They can, yes, this way your cat can lord over her kingdom, which is very important. Well, I have a corner desk right now. I'm at, seated at, and it's got a hutch. And right above me, of course, I put a cat bed with a non-slick backing, and my cat Casey's up there. Next to me is a window with a window ledge with a cat perch. My futon has one end table and three-fourths of it's consumed by a cat bed. <laughs> you starting to get the picture here? Am I, I get doing the, the right picture. Thing? And I know so many people think I don't have room for one of those big bulky cat trees. But as I said, you can definitely make plenty of vertical space without a big giant cat tree. Well, speaking of cat trees and things, some cats, I mean, they nap. They want to have a chance to get away from the kids or you or all the Netflix that you're trying to, you know, watch in one setting. What are some things we can do in our house, even our tiny small houses, as far as quiet spaces or, or hiding spaces? Well, we, again, we can go back to those Amazon boxes and they make terrific little quiet and hiding spaces. I also like things like the cat tunnels. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, put a cat tunnel on the floor. Cats really love those. They can go in there and kind of curl up. There are cat cubes too, the cats really love. But again, if you're a DIYer or on a budget, a box will absolutely fulfill this need. And on top of the, you know, where you're providing the vertical space, you know, make things cozy and comfy so the cat has a nice retreat. What is it about a tunnel, though, that cats like to be in? Because my cat, Casey, I always lift the quilt and say, you want a tent? And he comes in and he turns and he lays down on my legs and I pull out the recliner and I pray I'm doing kegels while we're watching a show because he's all comfortable. But what is it about dark, closed spaces? Because I would think they'd be more vulnerable, but tunnels under blankets, what's the deal? Yeah, cats really feel secure we're in, like, when they're in small tight places. It's territory is such a big thing for a cat. And when they can yeah. minimize their territory and feel small and safe and secure in one little spot, they find that very comforting. And it's funny because so many times when I'm working with clients and they say, you know, start off your new cat in a small room. Oh, the cat will be so unhappy in that little room. But guess what? If you let the cat out, that cat is going to find the littlest, smallest, far behind the refrigerator. To hide in. Exactly. And the cat's going to create her own small space. 
So cats really do like to be, you know, wedged into these little spots. It feels very comforting. It feels very safe and secure. And I really think what they like most about the tunnel is there are two means of egress. Oh, so if they point. are in the tunnel and, a, you know, some type of, of an opponent, it can be a companion cat, it can be real or imagined. But if they think this an opponent or an invader in one end, they can skedaddle on the other end. So I think that's, oh, that's why point. one of the big reasons they really love the tunnels. I wish this show was longer, but we've got some time because I do want to let everybody know her book, Saving the World, One Cat at a Time. We're going to let her tell you how if you purchase this, you're going to do something great for a shelter. But tell us a little bit about the premise of the book and what's made you decide to donate all proceeds 100%. So my book is called Saving the World, One Cat at a Time, and it is available on Amazon.com. You can also go to my website, drrachelcatbehavior.com and click buy the book. Yeah, drrachelcatbehavior.com. I just wanted to say it again. Thank you. Yeah. And so not only will you learn a little about me and a lot about cats, but I donate 100% of the proceeds from my book to cat shelters or to cat grantors. So for example, I just donated the proceeds from my book to the Community Cats podcast, which nice. I and I were, were together on a, a day-long webinar all about cat behavior. Your title was on uh, setting up a cat behavior and retention program for your shelter and rescue. It yes. was a great presentation. Thank you. And so during that period of time, I donated all the proceeds from book sales to that program. And as I said, it's, for, me, it's, for me, it was a labor of love. People can learn about their cats. And when they buy the book, they're helping cats who are in shelters awaiting their forever homes. Tell us a little bit about, and thank you for doing that. We love our pets and they really do keep us sane. But kitties and doggies and other companion animals, none of us have found a way to make them live forever. So what, what is the role you took as a pet chaplain? So I am certified as a pet chaplain through... Um, the Association of Veterinary Pastoral Care. And what I do is I really am with people on their journey as they come to, you know, as they're grieving, as they're coming to acceptance, as they're, I'm really just giving people, you know, those days that they need, whatever those days are. Okay. And I find it's a very, very, I will perform services for people, although being a pet chaplain is non-denominational, but if somebody wants some type of a funeral service or memorial service, I will do that. I provide care and comfort to people who are grieving. And I also help walk people through why sometimes it's so much more difficult to lose, you know, a pet than it, in some cases, people grieve more losing their pet than they do a human in their lives. But one of yeah. the issues is, you know, when somebody dies, there's, for lack of a better term, there's a playbook. We all yeah. know what to do, right? Yeah, you're we right. go to um, visiting hours, we send a card. The person who had a loss has a status as the bereaved and there's a bereavement period and everybody understands and we know what to do. But when someone loses a pet, people aren't always sure what to do. And to make matters worse, people who don't have pets might say things like, oh, it was just a cat. You can get another one. It was just a dog. You can get another one. And there's actually a term for this is called disenfranchised grief. Say that again. What is disenfranchised grief? Okay. So people who lose a cat or a dog, you know, not only are completely, you know, enveloped in unbearable sadness, but often they don't get the same supports they get from 
the community or society as if they were losing or lost a human companion because it just doesn't have that same status. You know, you don't get the five days off from work or you don't get <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the visiting hours and the flowers and, and so forth. So uh, many times people lose a pet feel very alone. I'm an optimist. I don't know how I still remain an optimist after 20 years as a newspaper reporter years ago covering serial killers. But I noticed in the last few years when someone shares a loss of a pet on Facebook, I see an outpouring now. And I'm hoping the optimist in me, are we making any kind of shift in recognizing? Because that's something I see on social media that I didn't see five years ago. I mean, I lost a beautiful dog, Bujo. I tried giving her CPR and she died me trying to give her, save her life. She had a heart attack and it took me a couple of days, but the outpouring, it really helped the healing. Yeah. And I think we are moving in the right direction. Just the fact that roles such as pet chaplain and grief support for pets even exist now is a good indication that we are moving in the right direction. I know here in Massachusetts, we just passed a law where the canine dogs who serve with police can get the same, if they die in the line of duty, they oh, will be yeah. now be treated the same way as the actual police officers. And so that's a huge new development in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to this law, if the dog maybe was shot or hurt in some way, the ambulance wasn't even allowed to give that dog a ride to the closest vet emergency room because it was a dog and not an officer. So the oh fact that we're, yeah, really? that we're moving in this direction that we're looking at these canines as important, you know, public protectors that should be given the same treatment and respect as the human protectors, I think is a huge big deal. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Before we end, we got to do something that shares that she's not all work and no play. So I want you to share a couple of things that might surprise people about what you do. And I'm going to do this right now because you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what would surprise people. Okay, this would probably surprise people. So I am an avid runner and I have run and finished 11 Boston marathons. That's a pause and applause. <laughs> when was the last one you did? Is it grueling? The last one I did was maybe like five or six years okay. ago. So yes. tell us about the mind, the mental game, because you got yeah, obviously your heart, lungs, legs got to move, but there's a mental game. Years ago, people laughed. Yes, I did date a marathoner, Bob. Hello, Bob. And he did run the marathon in Boston. That's like the runner's equivalent to the masters for golf lovers. So, and you're right in that area. So what is the mental game and how has running made you a stronger person? Well, you're right. In addition to the physical training, which is a lot, I found it would be really important before I started any race, but particularly the marathon. I always used to visualize myself crossing the finish line. Okay. So anytime, you know, I would feel a little tired or things were getting long, I would go to that happy place of me crossing the line and throwing up my hands in celebration and being so proud and being so happy. And that would seem to bring me back to the moment. But another thing I did was I break it up into little parts. Okay. And when I get to this juncture in the marathon, okay, I've gotten that down. When I get to Wellesley College, that's another signpost that I'm moving right along. So they were like little, you know, sort of mind tricks or, like and that. visualizations and breaking it up into smaller chunks. Because definitely when you're in Hopkinton, Massachusetts, which is where it starts, yeah. and you're thinking, okay, I'm 26.2 miles ahead of me. It can be a little daunting. Yeah. If I would think, all right, let's just get to Wellesley, that would make it a little more handleable. 
It sounds like that type of advice could relate to uh, helping people be able to help their cats and take it step by step. Absolutely. And I think that that ability to break things into manageable chunks probably is transferable to a lot of things. And, you know, you talk about being an optimist and being positive. You know, that's a huge part of running the marathon that you believe in yourself, you know, you can do it, you're going to make it, you visualize yourself crossing that finish line. And you know, I think there's something to be said for the power of positive thinking. And like you are, and I'm, I'm also an optimist, I go into <laughs> things assuming that things are going to turn out okay. And I think that helps. Well, everybody, we've been uh, speaking with Dr. Rachel Geller. Give us your website again, because I want people to dash over and you have a great Facebook page too. Yes, dash over to drrachelcatbehavior.com. All right. And I'm so glad to call you my friend. Thank you for taking my pet first aid class. It was fun. We've done two online behavior conferences together, hosted by the Community Cats podcast. Shout out to Stacy LeBaron there. But it's been nice to get to know you and your husband, Joel, too. Yes, I also am so happy that our paths crossed. I loved getting to know you better and participating in the things you have to offer the cat world as well. I love being a guest on your shows. And I feel like every time I'm on one of your shows, we're getting more knowledge out there and really doing a lot of good things. So thank you. Knowledge is power. And hey, can't do this show without my radio husband. We're talking Mark Winter, the executive producer of Pet Life Radio. We are the largest pet radio network on the planet. And humbly, Obehave has been on the air since 07. We're the longest continuously running pet podcast. Phew, he's probably checking my pee popping right now. But uh, he is a surgeon of sound. We have a lot of great shows on the network. I want you to check them all out. Humbly, go to ardenmore.com. And check me out and my Pet First Aid for You program. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's Oh, Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do. And get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.